This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, August 19, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. If banker and other executive pay is such a problem, why haven't shareholders done something about it? Why turn to the federal government to regulate? Turns out shareholders have taken action, but it's not action you might have expected. Those actions have been driven as much by federal rules as competition for executives. Mark Calabria, Director of Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute, offers his thoughts. Let's first take a step back and and talk about sort of a broader trend, which is every time you end up in a recession, the questions really more become about, you know, sort of growing the pie. How do we divide the pie? You know, and so the last time around when we were in the early 90s in a recession, and certainly, you know, you go back and look at statements that were made during the 30s, every time the economy turns south, there's always a sort of, these guys are getting paid too much, it ain't fair. You know, and so some of this, I think, would have happened regardless of whether we'd had the bailouts, simply because in recessions, people start to worry about income distributions more. Uh, When everybody's making money and your stock returns are doing quite well, you don't really care as much about what the CEO is getting paid. That's a broader uh, driver of this. Uh, But there's also a feeling, and a lot of this was done, for instance, you know, we saw for the AIG bailouts that there were a variety of bonuses given to many of the same people who essentially got AIG into trouble. Uh, And you also saw bonuses given to Freddie and Fannie while they've been in conservatorship. So on one hand, there was just this feeling that my tax dollars were being taken to bail out these institutions. And some part of those tax dollars or being funneled to these executives so that they can live, pie off the hog, why I've lost my job and have to pay higher taxes. That is underlying some of it. Of course, part of it is as well that in the TARP legislation itself and some following pieces of legislation, there were very vague compensation restrictions put into the act that said anybody getting comp- anybody getting assistance under this would have to have you know reasonable compensation. Now the language was very vague. You know, you mean it was vague enough that if the administration decided to do nothing, they could have done that. Uh, if they decided just to focus on the top, and it really has kind of slowly made its way down. It, when it started out, it was really about you know companies receiving quote unquote significant exist uh, you know assistance, and these were only a handful of companies. And it worked its way down to smaller companies that got assistance, and it also worked its way down to you know. At first, we were just talking about CEOs. Now we're talking about you know top twenty-five and, and things like that. What authority does Kenneth Feinberg have right now? Well, it's important to keep in mind he has a considerable authority underneath the TARP for institutions that got TARP money, so the banks in general. It's also worth remembering uh, that in various places in banking law, banking regulators have tremendous authority, and this was before the crisis. Had tremendous authority to set and approve pay plans. For instance, even before the crisis, uh, the bank regulator could have gone into Citibank or Bank of America and said, we think your payment schemes uh, represent an unsafe and sound practice. We think they're excessive. They could have done that before the crisis. Of course, they did not. But but that was authority that's long been on the books. And that's authority that during good economic times almost certainly wouldn't be used. And I, and I think that that's a reasonable point. Uh, you're really not going to see regulators go after compensation when, again, everybody is making money and everybody's stock prices are going up. Uh, you know, you rarely see that. And it's not simply about the level. It's also about uh, the structure of compensation. So a regulator could go in and say, well, you know, if you're paying your, – and, and it's important to keep in mind – the authority that bank regulators have is not simply over the CEOs. It's throughout the company. 
So a bank regulator could go in and say, I don't like how you're paying your loan officers. You're incurring your you're encouraging your loan officers to, you know, defraud borrowers. You're encouraging your loan officers to make risky loans. A bank regulator could go in and do that. Now of course you don't see that outside of banks. You don't see that in the rest of corporate America. What about uh does Kenneth Feinberg, for example, have the authority to set any kind of pay for people who originate mortgages, even the so-called liar loans? These were people who their compensation probably maybe ought to have been somewhat different. He does not, although he is working very closely with the bank regulators that do. And this is a good example of the bank regulators can not only influence what you pay your internal people, because for instance, uh, during the height of the bubble, we saw 60, 70% of mortgages originated by mortgage brokers who were essentially independent contractors, you know, as opposed to the loan officer inside the bank. Now that's shifted back more to the loan officer, but the bank regulators actually can and have put out guidance on saying, well, we're going to regulate your relationship with your outside independent contractors and what you pay them. Uh, and for instance, just this past week, there was an announcement made uh, by the bank regulators that severely restricts what banks can pay mortgage brokers in terms of how they get compensated based on the interest rate of the loan. So you do see a lot of intervention on the bank regulators and a lot of discretionary authority there to set those pay levels and set the pay structures as well. If a lot of this authority existed long before the financial crisis got underway and hadn't really been used, what justifies moving in to have uh, someone else who's not specifically a bank regulator per se, he's somebody who's coming in uh, for, for a relatively specific task uh, what justifies that? Well, when we would say the justification is in the statute of the TARP and that that's part of the conditions of taking the TARP money, uh, you know, is a broader justification. Uh, you know, there's not really, an, in my opinion, you know, a nexus. I mean, to some extent, you don't want to scare off employees. I mean, you know, if, for instance, the government has invested bailout money, which my opinion was the wrong thing to do to begin with, but let's say you've gone down that road and you're putting money into a company and bailing out, one would think that if you're looking out for the taxpayer, you might want to make sure you get that money back. And the best way to do that is to attract talent to that organization who can actually create profits so that money can be paid back. So there is a tension there. And you've already seen this. I mean, a lot of the companies like AIG, a lot of their better employees, and I should say an aside, my own opinion was AIG should have gone to the bankruptcy. But if you're going to support AIG, you'd want to keep the staff around that could actually run it and turn it profitable, whereas a lot of the better staff have decided, I've had enough of this. I'm leaving. And you've lost a lot of staff at these organizations because of the pay restrictions. So there's a real tension here. On one hand, a lot of this is just being driven by populist politics uh, because you look at what some of these people are making in it, and it's hard not to be uh, pissed off when you look at it. It's hard not to be offended uh, when people get millions of dollars bonuses for running a company in the ground. But on the other hand, if you want that company to turn around, you have to pay people to do it. The federal government already regulates a lot of uh, corporate organizations, publicly traded corporate organizations through the Securities and Exchange Commission. What should be the role of shareholders here? And it seems like they're being hampered in some way uh, in their ability to actually crack down on what they may see as abuses of executive pay given poor performance. And I would say the ultimate responsibility, particularly outside of the banking industry where you've got government guarantees and the rest of the economy in which you've got you know, your normal manufacturing service companies, whatever, it's the primary responsibility of shareholders and the board 
to regulate pay. Um, now, most of this is done at the state level because most companies are chartered at the state level, and you might have differences in those charters uh, about what uh, shareholders can say or do. Uh, now, part of the problem is that when times are good as well, I go back and say that you know if you see that your shares are doubling in value every couple of years, you don't really care what the CEO is making. I mean, once again, it's one of those avenues where either the share goes down, you're losing wealth, and you're sort of you know, why is this happening? These guys are getting rich off of me. So most people don't tend to care. And part of the problem is, just like in any election, just like we see in political elections, most people don't vote. Most shareholders don't vote. Most shareholders do not monitor a corporation. Now, many actually do. And you see a lot of the bigger institutional shareholders very involved in that process. Now, there are other uh, constraints. I mean, to me, one of the biggest uh, avenues for addressing executive pay would, would be to increase what we call the market for corporate control. You know, if you make it easier, for instance, to have a hostile takeover, then somebody could come in, remove management that's overpaid and incompetent and say, "Okay, I'm going to kick these guys out and I'm going to put my own in. Uh, Unfortunately, there have been a variety of mechanisms put in place, both at the various state levels and at the federal level, that make it a lot harder, for instance, to take over a company. So to some extent, management you know, of the, of the largest companies have been very adept at using legislative fixes to protect themselves from accountability to their own shareholders and their own board. Uh, you know, there's a real tension, I think, between how much you can expect the board to conduct oversight versus how much you can expect the board to work in partnership. Uh, you know, I mean, one way of thinking of it is, you know, just look how well that e- even a Congress of the same party gets along with the president of the same party. Not very well, you know, and you can imagine uh, if you had a board that was constantly in conflict with management, you know, you'd get less information from management to the board. So there's, I think there's a real question how much oversight we can actually expect from the board because they're not going to be effective if they're constantly at odds um, with management. So ultimately, there are very much a lack of, of – uh, I think, ability to shareholders to really inject there. That said, you know, there are SEC regulations long on the books uh, that make uh, compensation disclosed. So when you get a prospectus for a stock offering, it has the compensation of the largest executives. Uh, and all that is publicly available information. I, I will say as an aside, you know, one of the interesting artifacts of that has been since 92 when the regulations disclosing uh, compensation were beefed up and made much more transparent, you actually saw a big increase in compensation. Uh, and it seems to me to what happened to some degree was the CEOs went from a position of negotiating with the board, not really knowing whether the CEOs were paid, to now a position where they knew what everybody else was getting paid. And you did sort of have that arms race once that came aware. So I think we need to be uh, hesitant to embrace things like disclosure, because even though it sounds good, there can be lots of perverse consequences to it, unintended consequences. Mark Calabria is Director of Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute. You can read more on executive pay and federal regulation at Cato.org.